0: For the win, it's good! Fires over the middle, Curlins it, at the goal line! Touchdown Miners! This is the Mind Shaft, a UTEP football podcast, part of the Republic of Football Network. Now here's your host, Colin Deaver, and former UTEP kicker, Gavin Beckley. Welcome into a week one edition of the Mineshaft Podcast, part of Dave Campbell's Republic of Football Podcast Network. I am Colin Deaver, alongside my fellow host Gavin Beckley, the 2022 Conference USA Special Teams Player of the Year. We're here to talk first about UTEP's disappointing Week One, Week Zero loss to Jacksonville State on the road, 17 to 14. Quite a few plays uh, were the difference in this one. A few maybe. Stand out a little bit more than others, but we'll break it all down and then we'll also get you a preview of the Incarnate Word game, uh, the home opener for the 2023 Miners, which is coming your way this Saturday. Spoiler alert, I think that one's gonna be a little bit tougher than maybe minor fans. Realize Incarnate Word is not your normal FCS team. But Gavin, how is your weekend, my man? I know a, a big one for you and your lady. Yeah, uh before we start,
1: I just want to take a deep breath, everyone. It was only one game. I understand. <laughs> I understand uh everyone talking about all, all the hate and everything with the team, but just one game, it's it's gonna get better. It always does. Um but yeah, had a had a good weekend. Um my girlfriend had her twentieth birthday out here um in Dallas. So her whole family came and everything and uh we had celebrated during the during the UTEP game and everything. So I had to be on my phone for a little bit watching watching the game, the the first half and then I think the the fourth quarter is basically what I watched. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely definitely a good time whenever her family and everything comes and got to hang out and spend some time with them. But a lot of people for, for a midsize apartment out here.
0: <laughs> I bet. That sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, you were a little frustrated when you got on the podcast today just from the reactions from everybody. I was frustrated for a very different reason because I got a flat tire this morning on the way to Cruces, had to change it. That sucked. It's just like, what it, it's like the sports equivalent of that is like fumbling the opening kickoff or something of your day. It's to, you start your day with a flat tire. So it's just, you couldn't, couldn't possibly get off to a worse start, but it's only up from here. So yeah. here on the mine shaft, as you guys know, we can get you 15% off all home field. UTEP miners apparel on your first purchase. Use the promo code mine shaft. It'll get you 15% off your first time purchase. Gavin, our shirts as of last Friday are in the mail. So hopefully they will get here. Uh you're gonna come out to a game. I, I just told them to mail them to my house. So that uh when they get here, I can just give it to you. So they, yeah,
1: that, that's perfect. I'll be out there for for a game not too distant. So uh I'll definitely pick it up, put it on and wear it proudly to the game.
0: For sure. We'll we'll have to take a photo in our matching shirts or something. But uh what's uh let's uh without further ado. Kind of get into this game again, UTEP falling to 0-1 in 2023, following a 17-14 to loss on Saturday to Jacksonville State, a team that was playing its first game at the FBS level. Um, certainly a frustrating loss, I think, for everybody, not just the fans, um, team, coaches, players, what have you. Uh, nobody was happy. Um, about this one of course not it was a loss but I think especially given the circumstances people were a little bit more upset just Gavin I do want to get into a little bit of a breakdown of kind of the biggest plays of the game but for you what was your biggest takeaway um from this loss and maybe the most disappointing aspect of it for you um I would say the biggest for me, and it's just not like
1: obviously the last play is all everyone's talking about. Sure, but for me, it's just the the total execution of UTEP in in their offense. It just seemed like there was times I'm pretty sure they called a timeout after they had just run out there um, to start a drive or something, or had to call a timeout after a timeout. I think that's what happened. Yeah, um, so it was just some some lack of execution and some sloppiness on the offense that that definitely led to. Uh, a very disappointing game for what I think uh, for the miners,
0: And I think super, we talked about both of us on the preview podcast last week for our keys to the victory and things we wanted to see was better clock management, better timeout management, clock management. I mean, they controlled time of possession, almost 35 minutes, 10 minutes more than Jacksonville state. Um, but again, it was issues that kind of, arose for utep um during your time with the team um and then the timeout issue like you said they got a penalty for taking back-to-back timeouts um one of them i there was some chatter i was talking to brett bloomquist with the el paso times like zuri henry got a he was like slow getting up but instead of like giving him a chance to stand up they just blew it dead and it was you know when the official blows a whistle for an injured player like they have to get off the field have to take a break, but what the issue was is you either have to take a 10 second, like there was something where they would either have to take a 10 second runoff or UTEP could just call a timeout. So they had to use one there. And I think that was right after, right after that was when they used the next timeout, um, which, and then got the penalties. So uh, a little bit of mismanagement there. Um, My big takeaway again, just um, just shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, They outgained Jacksonville state 364 to 275. Um, held them to just 67 passing yards, obviously a run-heavy team, but they ran 44 times uh, for 208 yards, average of 4.7 yards. I mean, that's pretty good going on the road um, and kind of doing the things they needed to do defensively, unfortunately, just shooting themselves in the foot um, offensively um, and weren't able to get the win. So we'll go through a little bit of this, um, just kind of the big plays of the game. And I want to start with the – Touchdown pass in the first quarter that was called back um by from Hardison to Kelly Carey initially ruled a touchdown on the field. They review it, and it was—I mean, it was as close as you're going to get. I mean, he was bobbling it a little bit. It looks like it, it looked like it moved. I mean, again, as close as you're going to get. Gavin, I think that actually ended up being over everything else. That is the biggest play of the game to me because. If you score a touchdown there, it's a 50-yard touchdown. It's a 95-yard drive to open the season. I think the momentum of that game is entirely different for UTEP. It's an incredible start. Instead of you don't get the touchdown, and then three plays later, you're fourth and three at midfield. You go with the Calvin Brownholt-esque jumbo package with Hardison, try to throw out of it. By the way, same play that you guys ran in the bowl game a couple years ago that is my favorite play that you guys have ever run in my time covering UTEP. And it just didn't work. And it kind of, in, instead of escalating for UTEP from there, it avalanches down.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely it was their, the Miners' first drive. And and it's kind of one of those things. Uh, we go out there, force a punt from Jacksonville, um, and then start on a drive, have a good good drive, get out to around the 50 and stuff. And then it's like hit him with that deep shot, boom, touchdown. It's kind of like you can take a deep breath because it's like, okay we're off to a great start Um, uh, we just got to continue this momentum all it takes is one now we're ahead we can keep this lead and everything but then it's kind of like everyone kind of it seemed like was relieved that we did that and then they called it back um and then it was kind of like a kind of like panicky after that it was kind of like okay well the the relief that we thought we had actually isn't there so now we got to try to try to score again and, and do the same thing that we that we did in order to to try to feel that relief. And then I mean the thing the thing about that fourth and three, fourth and two play is that we ran it once. That's the first time we'd ever ran it. No one had ever seen it. Since then, I'm pretty sure I've seen it on Twitter over 30 times. Yep. So it's kind of like whenever we're in that jumbo package, I know 100 percent the coaches we're ready for that because we do run it so often. And especially that play, that was the second time that we've ever ran it. I know they told one guy, stay on the tight end, no matter what, don't let him slip out because whenever they're in this jumbo package, they're going to try to do some trickery like that. So, I mean, a little disappointed in, in kind of the play call there, but I mean, if it, it's one of those things, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then, then you're the bad guy. So
0: for sure. And it's one of those things I, 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 um... I love the jumbo package that they run. I just I think you can do so many different things out of it. Um, I don't like it on fourth and three. I like that yeah, on fourth I and agree. one, fourth and inches. We'll talk about it in a second. That's to me what they should have gone to late in the game when it started one fourth and one um, is the jumbo package there. Um, if it's me again, hindsight is is incredible is an incredible thing. It's twenty twenty. I think you punt there. I mean Jacksonville go gets the ball, they go 10 plays 24 yards because they were on the UTEP side of it, kick a field goal. If you go 10 plays 24 yards from your 20 yard line, okay, you're punting it, they're punting it back to you at midfield and it's still a scoreless tie game. So that that was obviously a you know a moment in the game, but it all again starting by the touchdown that gets called back, which I think changed the momentum. We were talking a little bit earlier before we started, Jacksonville State really only had one like really good sustained drive that ended in points. It was a 12 play, 80 yard drive. It three, took 340 off the clock, spanning the first and second quarters, and ended in a touchdown to go up 10 to nothing. They had another drive, uh, they had a three play, 66 yard drive in the second half, wasn't sustained. They had a drive where they went 13 and 60 yards. They missed the field goal. They had a drive, six plays, 29 yards, turned it over and down. So, I mean, that they'll, I, I'm sure Jacksonville will probably look at that drive in the First half is probably their drive of the game. Um, UTEP goes down right after that. 12 plays, 49 yards, and Buzz comes on. Buzz Swabiano, his first chance uh, to kick a field goal um, for UTEP. And unfortunately for him, misses a 43-yarder. Um, and this is, you know, we talked about this kind of all fall camp, and then last week it's, it's a tough situation to step into. I think you almost even said, like, that first kick you want it to be what a, a play you know a field goal maybe a 25 to 30 yarder unfortunately it's a 43 yarder makeable kick he didn't miss it by much yeah and I mean especially because
1: because it's kind of one of those things you you want either like a, a kickoff PAT or a short field goal to kind of start and then I think that we did have the opening kickoff and he went and he obviously didn't hit his best kickoffs that he could I think he dropped it in the middle of the field at like the the 20 yard line. And so I think it was kind of from there kind of, cause, because I know whenever I was freshman, sophomore kicking off and I had a kick like that, it kind of set a little bit of panic in me. Like, Oh my God, like that was the first kick I've ever done and I've messed up. So I think it was just kind of one of those things, but he looked calm and composed going out there um, um, for the field goal and then hit a, hit a good ball, but just a little, right. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like like last year, I I missed my first field goal of the season went twenty two straight. So I mean, who's what what's saying that he's not going to do that? So I mean, it's just I don't I don't want to see anyone disrespecting on in, in that field because it's it's such a hard thing, especially like kicking in general is such a hard thing. And if everyone could do it, then there would be a whole lot more kickers and everything. So I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that that you obviously don't want to see but in the circumstances and everything I I feel that that yes he did miss but I feel that whenever they would show him on the sidelines and everything which one I'm not a fan of because obviously whenever they're you're
0: you're not feeling great about yourself already yeah
1: exactly and whenever the camera is kind of going to you and then back to the game and then back over to the sideline it just kind of puts adds insult to injury so it's just just one of those things but i mean whenever they would pan over to him and everything he seemed like he was still composed in himself and talking to the guys and try to get pumped back up to to go in for the next one
0: so he misses that field goal um defense obviously trailing 10 to nothing was at this point defense stands their ground forces a punt in three plays uh utep then looks like they have some momentum again first and 10 gavin to tire in 11 yards Next play, Gavin to Akari for 26 yards. Play after that is another first and 10 towards Burgess runs for five yards. And then the second and five, Gavin to Marcus Bellin for a yard uh, on second and five. Now you're at third and four at the Jacksonville State 28-yard line, kind of in a position uh, where you were previously. Unfortunately, Gavin sacked, fumbles, turns it right back over. That's a big play to me because, again, you're developing all those momentum. That's back-to-back drives where you're looking good offensively missed field goal, and then a turnover um, by the offense. Defense, once again, stands their ground, forces another Jacksonville State punt. And then finally, with a uh, minute 31 on the clock, uh, UTEP finally breaks through. Uh, Gavin, first and 10 incomplete, but then he goes to Justin Clark for 11 yards. Uh, there's a penalty on the next play that got a uh, first down to Tyron for nine yards. They call a timeout. Deion gets the first down, uh, first and 15, second and 15, excuse me, to Torrance Burgess after a penalty. And then a, uh looks like a pass interference play on Jacksonville State that got them first and goal at the Jacksonville State two-yard line with six seconds to go. They end up scoring as at the uh, halftime buzzer, basically, on a Deion Hankins touchdown run to go into the half. Tons of momentum, um, down just 10 to 7. And then they get the ball back uh, out of halftime um they deferred well I think they won the toss and deferred get the ball at halftime and this to me was a big one too Gavin because um Hardison throws an interception after they had they were they did pick up a first down on the first set of downs um big play for me because he gets intercepted on a play that both him and Dana mentioned in their media um yesterday that he kind of forced that throw
1: yeah no I mean it's it's kind of like what you had said in the beginning about. Utep shooting themselves in the foot. It's like they get a good drive going, get get a good chunk of yards and everything, and then fumble. And then they score right before half, get the ball back, um, going into the third quarter, throwing interception. So it's just like any time that there was a chance to get momentum, they they didn't take um control of, of the momentum and kind of ride it out. They just kind of gave the momentum right back to, to Jacksonville, which is obviously not what you want to see whenever you're trying to win a football game because momentum is kind of everything. If, if something good is going right, then it's all going to go right. But if some one little thing is, is going wrong in it, then it's all going to kind of snowball and come crashing down. And that's kind of what I feel like happened on a couple of these drives that that did end in, in uh turnovers.
0: We'll fast forward a little bit farther into the third quarter here. Um, the next Jacksonville state uh, touchdown drive, Miners did a good job on first down, uh, first and ten, no gain run from Malik Jackson. But then, a roughing the passer penalty called on Maurice Westmoreland uh, gave them the ball at their own forty nine yard line. Jackson goes forty four yards on the next play, uh, down to the uh, seven yard line, and then that very next play on first and goal, he goes seven yards. So very quickly, um, you know, it looks like again after that first that first down call, it looks like. Maybe they're going to get off the field pretty quickly. Instead, Jacksonville State scores at three plays. UTEP's in trouble, trailing 17 to seven. Um Jack State would miss a field goal after a minor's punt. And then this is where UTEP's offense finally kind of got into gear again uh, for the first time in the second half. A eight-play, 74-yard drive took four minutes off the clock that ended in Hardison finding a carry for uh finally his <laughs> his first touchdown of the season looked like he was gonna have one on that first drive, gets a gets a to touchdown and get UTEP back in it. They trade punts again, and then now we're to the drive here where um kind of ended up being the big – obviously the, the play in the series that everybody has ended up talking about um, with UTEP taking over at their own 12-yard line with 441 to go, marching down the field, good drive, all the way to the Jacksonville State uh, 24-yard line. And that's where – here we are, uh, which is kind of like the biggest – one of the biggest arguments about UTEP football that I think I've seen. And now this is my sixth season covering the team third and one from the Jacksonville state 24 and fourth and one from the Jacksonville state 24 UTEP throws, um, twice on that, on that play. Um, I, I, are on that on those two situations. The third and one is a play. Akari's in the end zone gets the ball knocked out of his hands, um, on that third and one play. He catches it, hangs on whatever UTEP's up. Maybe they end up winning, and we ne- we're we never even having this conversation. The fourth and one call, and I want to go through what Calvin Brownholtz, the former quarterback for UTEB, had to say about this too because he he gave a really good breakdown of it on Twitter. But on the fourth and one, um, they opt to throw again. Two receivers run into each other. Uh, Akari was wide open in the middle of the field. Gavin acknowledged that he misses, missed him at his, at his press conference yesterday, but instead pass gets knocked down um and UTEP gets out of there with a loss so um Gavin I don't know if you want to give your thoughts first before we get into what Calvin had to say or uh, how you wanted to do it I'll, I'll leave that up to you
1: yeah I mean one thing that that I have always said and this is always kind of not annoying me but is always like a big question mark for me is like third and one and this has happened since since I was at UTEP third and one we need one yard and we throw fades to the end zone, no matter where we are. It's like sh- throw a short pass, run the ball, one of those two. And then I'm not going to lie, fourth and one. I think that was a fantastic play call based on eight guys are in the box. We run the ball. We're outnumbered eight, six, six for us, eight of them. Their linebackers are going to plug the holes. Um, it's going to be very, very hard to try to get one yard if if they're kind of in and blitzing and able to get through the, the line like that. Um, And especially because you can see um whenever Tyron was motioning, no one picked him up. So right. that's a free man. That is a free man. No one's on him. But like I said, what UTEP was lacking was execution. Whenever two of our receivers run into each other, any DB can cover that. One DB can cover two guys whenever we have two guys in a span of a yard. Right. So just... It's just one of those things if if we execute that play and Tyron sneaks out over there, he's wide open. That's a first down. That could even be a touchdown. And right. and then we're we're saying Dimmel's the a genius and the greatest coach of all time at UTEP and everything, but now we're in the position where since we weren't able to execute it, um then it's all kind of come crashing down
0: and and every, everyone's looking at him like the bad guy. Right. And Calvin Uh, Again, Brownholtz, last year's quarterback uh, backup, obviously came in the last couple of games of the year when Hardison got hurt. Said a lot of what uh, Gavin Beckley said right there on Twitter. Really good breakdown of it if you go to his Twitter page. For those saying this is – it's a it's a threat. I'm just going to read the whole thing. For those saying this was a bad play call and should have ran it, this is the fourth down and one. It's cover zero. There's eight defenders in the box. They're outnumbered eight to six. The defense has busted coverage. Nobody ran with the motion like Gavin Beckley said. With this busted coverage, it's an obvious throw to the wide receiver who's uncovered the outside receiver. was running an arrow. The outside receiver got jammed and the slot receiver ran into him. That, of course, being Tyron Smith and Jeremiah Ballard. That caused the play to be practically dead. And Calvin, again, his assessment, similar to Gavin Beckley's bad execution, not a bad play call. And you can freeze frame it at some at one point. And Kari is, again, is wide open in the middle yeah. of the field. So having watched it back with like, look, Calvin Brownholz can break down film way better than I can. I'm so I, I will be the first to say that, you know, I'm going to trust the eye of a guy who ran this offense for five years um and played at the division one level a lot better than mine um i will say back to kind of like what you said about the third and one i th- i just think philosophically you need on you have third and one and fourth and one with kind of the game on the line i'm totally fine with throwing the ball on one of those downs however i think on one of those you just have to line it up with this offensive line that we talked about all off season with the couple of big running backs that we talked about all off season and just say, Hey, this is what we are best at line up and try to run and get the first down. And if they stop it because they've got eight men in the box. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, the fourth down call is maybe different, but that's just, that's just my opinion. Again, that fourth down call, reviewing it and having people who understand the system better than I do, or fans, whatever, what have you do, makes complete sense. But I just philosophically, I think you have to line up and run the ball on one of those on one of those downs. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I do agree with that. Like I said, throwing a
1: fade on third and one from the twenty four yard line or whatever is just not not ideal in in my head. But it's just like if because we are known on close yardages like that to throw the ball. So if we're if they do bring 8 and and we run the ball on third down and they they plug the holes and are able to to stop us on third down and it's still fourth and one then i like the throw i like yeah. lining up maybe a little play action something to get all eight guys in the in dropping in and trying to trying to uh stop the rush and everything and then he pulls it and does the little play that we did and executed a lot a lot better and then that's like I said, first down, if not touchdown. He'd wide open. It's just it comes down to execution and and I feel that yeah, like you said, I think one of those plays should have been a run. Um but obviously it wasn't. And I mean I saw a tweet, I can't remember, it was some big account and it was just saying like if you are passing the ball two times on third and one and fourth and one, you deserve like that deserved to happen to to UTEP whenever we're passing the ball on said short yardage.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it deserved to have. I don't know. If I'd go that far, but um, certainly, like I said, it's a situation where it's maybe just very the varied up on on those two calls. And I, you said you you hinted at it, and I agree. Go jumbo package on the on those two downs, and yep, because um, it's successful. I mean, the conversion rate on. Uh, their their third down conversion rate on Saturday was 25%. I want to make sure I have the I know it was 25%. I want to get the exact number from the team stats. So they were okay, 3 of 12 on third of, on third down, 1 of 3. I think last year they were like 57% on fourth down. A lot of that obviously is coming out of that jumbo package which Calvin was so good at running. Yeah, um, but I think you can st- I mean you can still do something like that whether it's Gavin Hardison doing it, whether it's maybe you go jumbo out of the shotgun. You know, snap the Dion. I've seen them do that. Yeah. Um, so I, just there's ways to to do it um, to vary it up. But you know, it's unfortunate. I just think it's unfortunate that we that, that has ended up being like the talking point of the game. But I also completely understand it. Um, I also, you know, the main questions I get, Gavin, are like, what are you going to ask Dimo about this? And it's like, well, he was he was asked basically ad nauseum. He was asked more questions about the the play calling on third and fourth down than he was about Incarnate Word. Um, at the press conference yesterday. So I do want to real quick play um, through about a minute or two um, what Dana had to say about the play calls there. Hindsight, obviously in 2020, if you have one of those third, fourth, ones back you run the ball at
2: the end of Franklin. Oh, you know, there's two schools of thought there. Um, I really wanted, I, I really, you know, it was a calculated decision, but it didn't work. But the calculation was, With the time getting to where it was getting to, I thought we needed to move and get some yardage as quickly as we could. And I felt like that was our chance to get big plays. Because what I felt like, um, you know, just to explain everybody what goes on in a coach's mind, is if we get that first down, now they're going to go back into their umbrella type of look. So I was playing to win. I wasn't playing to tie. You know what I mean? I wanted to go win that game, and that's aggressiveness. If I was playing for the tie, I would have ran the ball. You know what I mean? But I was playing to win. And I felt our best way to win it right off the get-go instead of having to go into overtime was to try to get them condensed down to stop the run game on third and fourth and short. So that was my thoughts there. So I've thought it over. Uh, It didn't work, but I wouldn't do it any other way if I had another chance. They didn't work, so they're not good calls, right? I mean, it's just that's the way it goes. But, again, being conservative or being aggressive, I chose to be aggressive in that situation. And when it works, you know, you win the game. And when it doesn't work, you lose the game, and that's just a part. That's just part of everything that you deal with. That's just that's our job. That's part of our job. That's the decisions that you have to make in a in a period of time, and you try to make them on a lot of ex- experience that you have, and then also understanding the defense that you're going with, and what's going to happen if you get that first down, and what's going to be the next few play calls after we get the first down. Right? They're going to get back in and really try to make you. Th- if you want to score touchdowns, they're going to try to make you really thread some needles in there. Because, you know, if there was three or four minutes left, it might have been a whole different story for us. But with a minute 20 and no timeouts left, that goes pretty quick, you know, because the clock was going to start running pretty fast, you know, after we got our first down right there.
0: That's uh, head coach Dana Dilligan talking about the decision-making process kind of late in the game there. Um, Said he would – effectively said he didn't regret it, said he considered running the ball with Deion Hankins, Mike Franklin, Torrance Burgess, what have you but elected to throw it. Um, So if, and he says he is willing to live with the decision to do so. Obviously we talked to nauseam Gavin about the um, fact that the fourth down call, pretty solid play call. Just the execution of it was poor. What did you think as a kicker though, you know, that's at the 24 yard line, what would that be about a 41 yard field goal um for Buzz yep. Flaviano? What did you think of the decision to go forward on fourth down rather than maybe trot out buzz to try to see if he could tie the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'll I'll break it down in two ways. So as a kicker, you obviously would want to put to put Buzz in there. I know he's a freshman and everything, and he doesn't fully trust him. But at the same time, it's like, when is he going to gain that trust? You know, it's sure. if you don't trust him now, when are you going to trust him? So it's kind of like one of those things. I would have loved to see Buzz go in there and nail that field goal and and tie the game and everything. But it, and then at the same time, I'm also a gamer. Like I do understand um and there in that situation i would have done most likely the same thing i would have i would have uh elected to go for it um and then get a whole fresh new set of downs and then if it came to it and it was fourth and three from the 10 yard line that's a lot easier of a kick than than it would be from the from the 24 so i feel that that i see where he's coming from but as a kicker, like I said, I would elected to kick it but but as a gamer, I think the the correct decision was made.
0: yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It's just like he'd already missed earlier um in the year or I'm sorry in the game um at some point he's gonna have to get some confidence doing this right but that's also it's a slippery slope because if your first game, you miss your two first two kicks of your of your college career including, a high pressure kick like that, that can really snowball. Like, yeah, for, for a kid, for a team doing something like that. So, like, I didn't, I certainly understand why people were questioning the decision, but I, like, I just think knowing kind of the situation and everything around it, I just think it was, it was the right call, um, to just, to just kind of roll the dice offensively. Um, like, what, like, what, I mean, do you you think you would have been comfortable, you know, being out there? I guess maybe put it on yourself. Like, what was how long into your first year uh, as a kicker at UTEP? Did you feel like good and comfortable? Like, okay, I'm—I don't have like the nerves that I did, you know, the first game or whatever it was. Yeah, um, for me that took about two two years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but that's just that's just me because like I went through a coaching change, so it was kind of like I didn't have the relationship like I did with the first coach, which I didn't have as good of a relationship with the first coach as I did with coach price. So, but it was like, with those two years, it was always like kind of feet on the fire at all times. Like my spots kind of, no matter how good I play or anything, it's always up for grabs, like in practice and stuff. So it was always kind of one of those things that I never felt fully comfortable because it was just like, no matter how good I did, it just never seemed to, to be enough sometimes. And then it was kind of like, after that, whenever coach price kind of came in, then it was, it was a lot more, more comfortable and everything just because of the relationship that me and him had, that it was just like, just go out there and kick. And it was just like, you, you don't need to have added pressure on someone who already has pressure going out there. Like if a coach says to you, if you don't make this kick, you're you're not gonna be the starter next week. Like there's no reason for that because there's already enough pressure right in the, the game. Right. So it's just it was just kind of like one of those things. And I'm sure that I would have been more comfortable, but I mean it was just like one of those things like like I was just working so hard and trying to get so comfortable, but having going from a solid unit one year and then the next year having a new snapper new holder and everything it wasn't until coach prices i i think first year whenever that the snapper and holder came back and that was our second year of all being together that i was truly truly comfortable
0: and i think coach dimmel i mean this says i think this says everything about my co-host here because you got a shout out at the press conference you don't even play with the team anymore uh, because he he said if, oh, if Gavin Beckley was there it would it would have been no brainer we would have kicked it but um, again I understand the decisions that were made um, in that regard I know uh, like we kind of foreshadowed at the beginning um, things got a little dark it, it got beyond just the normal fans being frustrated after a loss which happens literally everywhere um, in the country after a loss it got probably beyond that um, with the calls for coach Dimmel's, you, you know, to be fired immediately. And look, I'm not going to ever be, I'm not going to tell a fan base, you know, what to believe or how they should, you know, that's like, you know, it's, it, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to believe what you want to believe and think what you want to think. I will just say that coach Dimmel, when he arrived and I said this, I said this on Greg Tepper's show earlier today, when he arrived, the house had been burned to the ground. It's like you're buying an empty lot. And he had to completely rebuild the roster from scratch off, to, after off, off an 0-12 finish in 2017 when he arrived. The blue shirt situation that had been set up by the previous coaching staff meant he only had 11 scholarships to use, I think, both of his first two years. So it just took – that's why, I mean, when people – point out his record as the coach at UTEP, which I'm not going to tell you it's good. It's 17 and 41, but there is just so much else that goes into why that record is what it is. That first two years, you guys were literally rebuilding the program from scratch. 2020 was what it was, but you know, you won three games, obviously go to a bowl game in 2021. So I will say that for Coach Dimmel. I will say what I said last week though, too. Like this is their year. This there are to me there aren't really excuses anymore because the team is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's his guys. Um, it's their recruits. This is to me the year that they've been waiting for. You know, his entire tenure. Um, we both said it. John Tycher said it two weeks ago. Like it's a it's it's got to be a bowl game this year. So, um, I would say again, I always caution fans when they're calling for people's jobs because it's like, okay, who are you going to get? Like like, if you if you if you're firing him, tell me who you're getting, and usually they don't have an answer. So, um, that's just what I would say about that. I would caution people to get, as you said to start. It's one game, guys. If they beat Incarnate Word to get to one and one, there's a lot of people that are already putting Northwestern on upset alert for UTEP two weeks from now. So, that's how quickly things can change. But um, I know you had <laughs> some takes on this as well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just. It's just one of those things like like whenever you're calling for coaches heads and stuff it's just like yes i i do understand that that it's a it's a game and everything but it's also like like you kind of said would we be better off mid season not having a head coach or having an interim head coach or something i, I don't think so because I think, it's
0: just sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish i'm sorry i just want people to to remind people the last time that they had an interim coach mid season they were 0 and 5 when mike price took over and they finished the season 0 and 12 so just just so we're all clear what happened the last time you fired a coach and had an interim the last time just just to be clear yeah it's not like firing
1: coach dimble is going to magically produce wins and stuff it's just it's just one of those things like like there's so much more that goes into it and everything and then i mean the the stuff on twitter obviously social media people can say what they want but it always seems like like the people that don't have an athletic bone in their body are the people who who have the most criticism on on players that this is basically their whole life and everything, and this is all they train for and all that. so it's just it's just kind of one of those things. and I mean, I know that that people will say whatever they can to to try to get recognition and everything, but it's also like like we had talked about in the beginning, it's one game. Yes, we're all disappointed and everything, but there's no reason to be calling players out and and kind of talking crap and all that to them whenever it's, it's the first game of the season. Do you really think that someone who's playing for the city and playing for for the name across their chest will want to continue playing here if no matter how good or bad they do, they just constantly get talked down on and everything? It's just... It's just one of those things like like no wonder some people transfer out of here and everything it's just we need we need the fan base and everything to to help out rather than continually putting the miners down we need the backing and and that's that's when I think that the miners play the best is whenever we have the city behind us.
0: You're muted. Well, they will have, in theory, the city behind them this Saturday. It's 80s night, Gavin. Uh, too bad you're not coming this week because your mullet is is just red hot right now. You would fit right <laughs> in. Uh, it's 80s night uh, for Incarnate Word. They're going to shout out the 1988 team. I think they're going to honor the It's 35-year anniversary of the best team in UTEP history. I think a lot of those guys are going to be um, at the game, so that'll be cool. Um, and it's certainly a chance for UTEP to turn the page after a disappointing loss, and that's where we will turn the page as well. Now, um, to incarnate word, um, FCS team obviously, when you are an FBS team and you see an FCS squad on your schedule, I think the what most people do, most fans, but whatever it is, your initial, um, I guess, emotion is to chalk it up as a win. Um, I will caution people that this is an incarnate word team uh that is is seemingly pretty good an offense that uh should be solid again even though they lost their head coach G.J. Kenny to Texas State they promoted Clint Killow, who i believe was the wide receivers coach last year he's not very old he played at incarnate word as recently as 2015 um so what what would that make like 28 29 years old maybe 29 um, i believe yeah yeah so i mean he's he's not very old he will be coaching his first game uh, at the as a head coach at the FBS level at a very young age. I do not envy the pressure that he probably feels in that regard. But, Gavin, they've got a pretty – you know, a good a good team, um, again, that knows how to win, that made the SES semifinals last year. And the thing that stands out to me the most is their quarterback that they brought in. He's an Auburn transfer, Zach Calzada. He was at Auburn last year, but fans probably remember him most because he beat Alabama – in 2021 when he was at Texas A&M he was the starting quarterback for that game i believe through four touchdowns. So this is not a this is not a squad that's coming in you know that you could call, you know, a middle of the road big sky team or whatever, you know whatever you want to say like this is a this is a team. Yeah, no, this is a team
1: who last year um i'm pretty sure they were averaging 56 points per game. So they're a high power offense very very big FCS name. Um, they had 99 touchdowns on the year. That is that is an insane amount. No matter where you play, that's 99 PATs. I think last year I had like 30 something PATs. So that's that's just an insane amount. Um, compared. So we're gonna see there they're, They kind of remind me of a, a Western Kentucky type of offense where they're throwing the ball a whole lot. Um, and trying to dish it down the field and, and stuff more than, than kind of run. um. But that's, that's just what I've seen. I haven't really dug too deep into them, but it's, it's definitely going to be another test for the miners. And I'm hoping that, that UTEP's home record will continue to, to stand strong as it has the past couple of years.
0: Yeah. With Kilo, he's actually 30 years old. He, uh, he just turned, he just turned 30 a couple months ago. So, sorry, sorry, Clint. Welcome to the club. Um, he was the associate head coach wide receivers coach last year. So yeah, like that offense is really going to be about as similar to last year, um, as it can get, he was briefly the interim head coach in 2021 after Eric Morris left UIW to become the offensive coordinator at Washington state. So he's not, you know, the, he's not new to being in that chair, um, for, you know, for, for a game here. So, um, Look, I think UTEP should be favored. They will be favored, um, but I think this is a game that they need to take as seriously as possible. And you know, ha- how difficult is it to bounce back? Um, you know, from you, you guys had a couple of these very you know, deja vu type losses um, as as last year. You know, where you you're right there till the end, and just some miscues here and there end up costing you the game. Like, how do you bounce back from you know what happened on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I'm not saying that the loss was net, was a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but I feel that the miners do play better coming off a of loss as we saw last year, losing in New Mexico and then coming back at home and beating Boise State. Um, I feel like whenever UTEP does win, they they kind of ride on a high wave, but whenever they lose, they kind of come back the next game and play better than they they would if they had won the previous game. So I feel that that they're gonna come out swing in this game and and they're gonna kinda put it to UIW and, and test that defense and is and then the I feel that UTEP's defense is also gonna get tested, but but I feel that the eleven men that are out there are gonna hold strong as as they kind of did this past game and and continue
0: that. What do you think too? I mean this is gonna be um such it's I think it's gonna be a, a much different like uh offense um from what they faced last week where Jacksonville State is is so run heavy they ran 70% of the time uh last year I'm looking at the stats from UIW from a season ago again different head coach but he's from the same tree I have to imagine it's going to be similar I mean their offensive numbers like just in general are crazy it was 62 passing touchdowns 30 rushing I mean that's incredible like the the output um that they that they put forward but it does seem like they will be uh, a little bit more pass heavy uh, maybe a little maybe a little more balanced than jacksonville state was how does that maybe change in preparation
1: no yeah i mean whenever you're kind of thinking about a run heavy team you're you're trying to load the box and everything and make them pass because they're not used to doing that but whenever you're you're kind of setting up for a, a team who's a lot more balanced you have to go over um, a lot more of like play action stuff because they're gonna try to to bait you and lull you to sleep in the run and then hit you with a with a pass. So it's kind of one of those things that you always got to be, you always got to be ready first, second down. Um, a pass is is bound to happen and everything. So you just gotta stay stay ready and make sure your preparation kind of kind of reflects reflects uh how how the other offense is gonna come out
0: what do you think as far as saturday um and i i asked you about bouncing back but um we won't get into i won't get into keys major keys for a minor victory just yet but um what do you think from your vantage point is for this week just going to be the most important thing that utep does at practice um
1: i mean touched on it earlier i'm just going to say execution and everything i feel that if utep goes out there and executes and everything that they run is not flawlessly because obviously there's going to be ups and downs, but is a lot more highly executed. Um I feel that, that that's what is kind of holding them back right now. But I feel like if they if they go out there and execute at a high level and play how, how I know that they can play, then I feel like they will they will come out of that game a lot better as a team and hopefully with a win.
0: Injury-wise for UTEP, um, it was Kobe Hilton and uh, Marcus Bellin that came out of the Jacksonville State game, the most visibly banged up. Uh, Dimmel said they do, as of yesterday, they were thinking that Hilton would probably be able to play uh, versus Jacksonville, or excuse me, versus UIW. That obviously would be huge. He's started every single game he's played for UTEP at the safety position. Um, had five tackles uh, in uh, Saturday's loss. So that would be huge. And then Bellin is the one it seems like they're a little more worried about. I doubt he will play. They didn't really give a timeline, but I'm not expecting him to be out there um, on Saturday. It seems like, I, again, no, no like real injury update. I would just guess a high ankle sprain just based on like what happened on the play up on, on the replay. It just, it just looked yeah. like that's what it was, but I'm not a doctor. So, but, Again, that's good certainly good news for Kobe Hilton and then Marcus Bellin. Um it does seem like he'll be back at some point this season. Um let's get into it now, man. Uh let's do our let's do our major keys for a minor victory. We'll start with two from you.
1: Uh yeah. So first one kind of been the the moral of of this podcast today is just execution, execution, execution. I feel that they need to to produce at a high level um on the field and and that will that will definitely help lead to a win and i also feel that that some of the of the game that we were a little lacking in is um i would say some of the some of the force plays and turnovers i would say so i'm I, yeah i would say the second key is going to be turnovers so i think that that we need to limit the turnovers as much as possible um and try to try to take care of the ball as much as we can because i feel that if if utep continues to do what they did last week and, and fumble and throw interceptions and stuff and and aren't taking care of the ball, that, that that's going to kind of spiral and lead to to not, not winning this
0: game. I think mine will be kind of similar to what I was last week, which was, number one, control the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively. I really think that they're going to be able to do that again. I thought they did that. Last week versus Jacksonville State. I actually think that that's something they did. You gotta control the line of scrimmage, but it has to be done in an effective way. Um and I just don't know that it was it was I don't think if this I don't know if this makes sense, but I, I don't know that they utilized the fact that they were dominating the line of scrimmage to their advantage in ways that maybe they they could have. So that would be mine, my one. Uh second one is clock management. They're gonna they're playing another team that last year, you know, didn't exactly have a large amount of possessions game only like 25, 26 minutes. So this is again, an opportunity for them to really bleed the clock. Um, but, you know, you got to take advantage of those opportunities to your point, you got to execute um, and then just better clock management. And then I'll, I'll give you uh three. I think I've said it every single game for two years now, get off to a good start. They didn't do it. They, they almost did it. They hit, almost, they almost did it. And it would have completely changed the game. Um, last Saturday if at Jacksonville State, if they were able to get that touchdown on that first drive, and I think an early touchdown or two versus Incarnate Word completely changes everything. Again, Calzada, he's a Calzada, Calzada, however you say his name, um, former Texas AM guy. Again, he's not going to be afraid, Gavin, of stepping into the Sun Bowl. He beat Alabama at Kyle Field. Like, he's this is not this atmosphere is not going to make him nervous, but it's his first game in a new system. Um, and we can talk about everything he did at A&M, but there's also a reason he's now at Incarnate Word. So um, I think that that's something, you know, if you can if you can get ahead and have them playing against the chains a little bit, um, that'll be a, a good opportunity for UTEP. So anything else you want to add to um, that we didn't touch on before we get out of here?
1: here? Um, I would just say defense is going to have to come up big this game. I didn't know that they only had 25 25- – average of 25 uh minutes of possession a game because that's that's just a lot of big plays it sounds like having almost 60 points a game and having the ball for 25 minutes so it's going to be a lot of a lot of shots and everything down the field as long as well as some big runs so hopefully our our defense can step up as i know they can and and try to limit limit uiw to to as little points as possible
0: Interested to see, I mean, their entire, not their entire offense, but their running back and quarterback that they have listed on their depth chart of starters are brand new. Trace Siggers is their running back. He's a, he was at uh, North Texas as, um, North Texas at one point, um, and SMU as well. So they, uh, they've, they've got some dudes that they brought in Stephen Parker on the, on the defensive line at the defensive end position. They've got, they've got some pretty good players that have come in, um, they kind of use that FCS semifinalist team to really try to catapult their recruiting. So I don't think this is going to be a pushover by any means, but I also do think it's a game that UTEP should win. So what is uh before final thing before we get out of here, your score prediction for the Miners on, on Saturday. Okay. um,
1: I'm going to say that this one is going to be a little, a little higher than last one. I think last one, I said like 27, 17, I got one side, right but not both. So no. this one, I'm going to go ahead and put it. Miners. 31. UIW.
0: 24. That's the exact score line I was going to go with. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow your lead there. I'm not, I'm not even going to change it. i gonna we're both going 31, 24. Nice. So, I mean, you're, was- you were you're spot on about the defense last week. They held them to 17 points. That should be enough. That should be more than enough to win a yeah. game. So yeah, that that's kind of like the the Broncos. Yeah, which we both suffered. we don't need to talk about that. We both suffered through that enough. So, <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, hopefully this served as some therapy for some UTEP fans that were pretty upset the last few days. Um, but we will be back with you next week. Uh, I we keep saying it. I do really want to try to get two podcasts a week if we can during the season. So I don't think it's going to happen this week, but uh, we, uh, we will try to make it happen once they get into some power five, the power five games. And then, Uh, conference when conference play really gets rolling but it's been the mind podcast colin deaver and gavin beckley utep will host incarnate word for their home opener 7 p.m mountain time on espn plus on saturday you can find this podcast as part of the dave campbell's republic of football podcast network it's available on all platforms spotify apple everything else i don't even know what other podcast platforms there are but there are there we're on there so if you use something else we're there we will see you next week